Folks, this is a great review that I just love about Fun Parts. And because it's kind of fun to do, I want to read it in my Fun Parts After Dark voice. Hey there, listeners. This is a review titled, Thank You, All Caps, Five Stars. This podcast is pivotal in the total deconstruction and reconstruction of faith. It gives so many enlightening and thought-provoking ideas and scenarios that help you to discern your way through years. I'm talking years of misinformation. <laughs> oh, that's such a great review. Thank you, you, whoever got, this person is. Thank you, Maria Rachel Smith. <laughs> Maria Rochelle Smith. Sorry for reading your voice in a very sultry Randy accent. Voice. And Randy. But really, you guys help us help you <laughs> help us by leaving a review anywhere you listen to this podcast that'd be great all righty let's talk about sex baby i knew it was coming <laughs> That was like a really bad harmony, too. That was. <laughs> Baby. Baby. From Mill U Media Group, this is Fun Parts, an exploration of sexuality and spirituality for anyone who's curious or convinced there must be more. With your host, Becky Patton, Ashley Lusink, Steve Weens, Luke Bronner, and me, Latifa Alatas. Fun Parts! So, Becky, mm-hmm. where do you want to start? I think the place that I want to start, if we're going to start talking about sexuality and spirituality together, is the place that I think has created the most interruption, and I want to say disruption to truth, and I think that's around who God is in relation to this conversation. So, for me... What I know personally is when I started to actually confront and go, wait a minute, what in the world is my sexuality and where does it belong? One of the things I found is I could have that conversation with myself, but then anything that was spiritual, I had felt like I was having a separate conversation. And so for me, I had to find a way to bridge that gap. And part of it was going back into and going, what did I actually inherit of who God is and what do I actually believe and what have I experienced? So the language that I put around that is the thing that opened up for me in scripture was when I first started to recognize, oh, wait a minute, God isn't a white male lacking a penis or maybe having a penis. God is actually gender full, so holds all the genders, and that means God holds me. So I am created in God's image, and therefore, what does that mean about my sexuality as a woman, especially having grown up reading the scriptures? And most of the scriptures are all using he pronouns and talking about father and things like that. And so I began to kind of go on a hunt, like, what does it actually mean that I, as a woman, am made in God's image? And I felt like there was a disconnect from what I had grown up with to what I was actually experiencing of the goodness of God. And it was like, I had to find a way to bridge that. And so the word that I actually created, or I don't know, I don't don't even know if I created it, but it's gender full, which means there's a huge spectrum of gender versus there being an exact distinction of male, father, mother, female. So 
I think if we're going to talk about sexuality, we have to find, I think that's the biggest barrier for most people because what we've done is we've created a theology around him creating us and she is a little bit less than, and then I think it just leaves too many designations versus dimensions. Hmm. So I will use the word genderful a lot, but I don't think I have an exact meaning for it other than the fact that it holds a huge expanse that I'm willing to explore. Yeah. Why do you think that that's particularly connected to sexuality or sex? Like, I just want to hear the, mm-hmm. how you connect the dots there. Well, because the reality is I, at the foundation, believe that God is good. Mm-hmm. And I believe that God created our sexuality as a part of a way to experience God. So to experience God fully as a human being, if I separate out my sexuality and keep it over in a locked door behind a, a wall, then what I'm doing is I'm separating a part of myself, a very essential part of myself, from the actual creator. And so for me, I actually really found out I didn't like God for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I realized deep down I actually loved God. And I was like, but I don't like how you've I've been taught. And yet I'm grateful for what I, I mean. It's like this mixed bag. But it's like there's no way I can separate out my sexual being from my spiritual experience. Because my spiritual experience is a part of this body. I'm housed in this body. And this body is pretty miraculous and amazing. And that's the thing that I started to go, wait a minute, something's not connecting for me. I could no longer keep my sexuality in a box Mm -hmm. hidden behind a locked door. The image I had at one time was I had to throw open the door of my bedroom, which meant can I throw open the door of my heart and allow God to see me fully as I was, even as a mess at times, but will I let God enter into that? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. When you talk about sexuality, are you talking about Preference, identity, the act of sex. Yep. <laughs> All of it. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. Excellent news. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think some of figuring out and working through who God is, is some of dismantling, honestly, patriarchy, where sexuality is about ownership, you know, where mm. the male owns the rights to sex from the very, you know, sort of beginning of, you know, Bronze Age understanding of the transfer from father to husband and and things like that. And if you just look at God as male, then it's hard to break out of that if you're a male or a female or other. I mean, mm-hmm. really. So is there something to that? I actually, what's really interesting is I didn't have that language when I first started. I just was trying my best to see if I fit anywhere. Like, did I actually fit in this whole spiritual realm thing? As I've explored it more and more, what I realized is, in fact, as you were talking, I had this image of this cartoon when I was a kid of this caveman dragging the woman by the hair, you know, as she's kicking her feet and he's dragging her in to make her him his dinner and stuff like that. And that was a cartoon I grew up with. And I think what's happened so kind of under the surface, we don't really know it and we don't know it's there, mm. is the patriarchal element of scripture infiltrated the culture and culture adapted it in a way that wasn't religious, Mm. but it was very powerful. 
Because when we actually think about the patriarchal system, the element of a male's genitalia is literally exposed out there. It's obvious. I mean, it has four different functions, whereas the female's genitalia is actually... (sighs) What are the four functions? I'm so... I'm counting right now. Peeing, sex... Urination, sensation, penetration. Oh, what's the fourth one? Mm. Mm. Not as useful as we thought, (laughs) turns out. Pleasure? I mean... Sensation. That's sensation. Sensation. Ejaculation. Ejaculation. uh, So it's urination, ejaculation, sensation, Penetration. And penetration. So therefore, it's those are all very powerful. They have evidence. You can see them. In fact, for a long time, we thought that the woman had nothing to do. She just housed the baby. We didn't even know. I mean, science did not know that it was the sperm and the egg that mm. created a baby. The woman's body was merely just a vessel. So you think about how we've thought about that. But I want to say that genitalia being so obvious, out there, powerful, has created its own cultural system that we serve. And because women's genitalia is hidden and kind of tucked away, we think of it as less than, not as important. It doesn't have the same functionality. No, it can't have the same functionality because it's got to be closer to the womb where a child's actually grown. So all those parts actually need to be up in for the purpose of the safety of this child being grown. So, But what we've done is we've made assumptions based on something. So I think the patriarchal piece is something that as a culture – we have to confront why do we actually view sex as a male or how have we in the past? I don't, I think there's a lot of awakening that's happening that I, but I think there again, we're trying to swing all the way over here that it's not patriarchal, it's matriarchal. And I'm like, no, it actually both belongs, I think. And I think my thing is like, it's just purely when we only think about God as male, even unconsciously, it's almost impossible to break out of those ancient stereotypical sex gender roles, mm-hmm. right? And if you're a man or a woman or non-binary, you are going to categorize yourself as less than or more than. And so you have to do that work. That, that, that's what I'm asking. It seems like that's how you got to uh, the understanding that God is good, is that God is not just male, I need to do my research, but I remember hearing from a friend who is very smart that I think it was ancient Celtic or Druid culture saw trans people as more like priests because they held female and male yeah, gender I've together. Yeah, I that somewhere too. And mm-hmm. I think there is something to that. And we've, in our society, really outcasted the mm-hmm. trans community, but they used to be like the most sacred, respected part of ancient community because they seem to house more of divine being in that they were both male and female or identified fluidity. Yeah. What's really interesting, if we're talking just genitalia, the reality is, is all of our genitals start the same way. Mm. And it's dependent upon the wash that actually comes over them, whether or not it develops a penis or a clitoris. And the reality is that if you go back to the basic structure, like if you look at the scrotum on a man, what you're going to find is there's a seam right down the middle. Yeah. Well, that's on every man. On a woman, that's the part that separated and created the vulva. Hmm. Hmm. So it's like we have very, very – and then the balls descended, and so they came out. But for women, everything went up in. 
So it's like we have the basic genitalia element is we have similarities and we have more similarities than we have differences. Mm. It's just that the dynamic of hormones have shaped. One of the ways they know this is for people that are actually, they don't have real defined genitals because they didn't get quite the wash over them. So it's like they may have a smaller penis or they may have a enlarged vulva or clitoris because the clitoris is literally like a, a penis. Mm. It's one eighth the size of a penis when it's fully erected. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like there's an element here of why have we defined sexuality as something that's separate from God, which is back to your question, I re- which I really think is the big thing, is I think because there's a lot we don't understand. And I think we're scared of it. I mean, I identify as a cisgender woman, and the reality is there's stuff about me that's mysterious that I don't even get about me. That can be frightening when we don't understand. And I think the mind is continually made to try and categorize and quiet tension. And the reality is we don't know how to live in tension. Mm. And there's a lot of things here we don't know. And I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm just curious. And I'm so curious that I'll stay up at night and research until I can find something that helps me like, okay, wait, how does this fit with who God is and how I've experienced God? Because at one point I wanted to throw all my faith away. Mm. And then at another point, I was like, I wanted to run back into my faith where I knew all the answers. And it was like, can I just stay in this tension place where I don't know the answer? And yet I'm experiencing, you know, sensations and goodness and go ask some questions. So anyway. You know, what's funny is that just thinking about tension, I think the only enjoyable tension is sexual tension. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Like it's hard to live in the tension, but mm-hmm. the like really sexual tension is kind of, kind of fun. Oh, it's magnetic. It is. It like, whoo, creates those things in your stomach. It's exciting. Every other kind of tension is sort of miserable, but sexual tension can teach us that it can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so but what if the sexual tension is supposed to teach us something of saying. how to actually be in well, tension? And then we get back to like sex is good. Mm-hmm. It is good. Fun parts. <laughs> That's where the cue for the, <laughs> the fun parts jingle comes in. Fun parts. <laughs> so, okay. So here's what I'm thinking right now. I feel like we're sort of all over the place. We're mm-hmm. already like ping ponging around. And I don't think we've answered the very basic question of who are we talking to and how mm-hmm. did we get here? I think what we just talked about is good and helpful and I'm taking notes, but I don't think we've actually started yet. So I think what we need to answer is who are you talking to? In your mind. In my mind, who I'm talking to are people who have grown up in the church and have created very isolated places of viewing their body separate from any sexual desire or um, sensuality. So I'm talking to people that are sure, or not sure, that's not the right thing. I'm talking to people that are confused and have actually, they don't even know how to have a conversation that sexuality and God can be in the same sentence. And they both belong. Do you have a specific person in mind that you, or that you can bring to mind of like, this person is kind of like fully embodies who I'm talking to? Yeah, I got a room full of people I can 
You want me to talk in my mind specifically? I that want person? you to have that person in mind when you're talking. Oh, okay. Because the tension that I'm feeling right now is that I'm pretty confident I'm the least comfortable person in the room with the conversation already. And so it's already happening in a way and it will that you're clearly more comfortable. Each of you is clearly more comfortable with the language than I am. And that's me confronting my own repression. But, but I know that if I'm listening to this on my Mm -hmm. phone, I'm hitting stop because I'm already so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not comfortable with the language yet. And so in some ways I think that Mm -hmm. I'm that person Mm -hmm. of like, how do we have this conversation for people who don't know how to have this conversation Mm -hmm. right now? We're having it as people who are very comfortable Mm -hmm. and have spent lots of time in the conversation and so that's the reason why I'm, I'm curious, like, okay, well, who are we talking to? Because if we're talking to people who are already comfortable, then we're doing great. But if we're yeah. talking to people who don't know how to have this conversation, they've already hit stop. You're right, because I've used scrotum, penis, yeah. vaginal. Things yeah. that people are like, oh, okay, this is, this is science and I can't, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I want yeah, to make right. sure right. that what we're creating is something that is enabling people to have a conversation they otherwise do not know how to have, because that is the problem. Okay. So my question is even using the word genitalia, is that too strong? I think we have to get there. I'm not saying don't use it yet. I'm saying we have to be very gentle with people. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think that people need to know that that's coming. And I think that's something that we actually need to do really, really consistently. I'm over here writing down like, who are we talking to? How did we get here? And why are we doing this? And I think we're going to have to like be constantly mm-hmm. revisiting those three questions through every conversation we have. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's yep. good, Luke. So really the person I'm talking to is you. Okay. <laughs> that makes me so nervous. I think that's right. I think that's right. But that's who I'm talking to. I think I am pretty representative of yeah. people who are damaged and sexually repressed because of purity culture. And mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. Mm. I just may not make as much eye contact as you. You'll notice that I'm like, oh, let me just check these levels here. There's nothing for me to check here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's honest and vulnerable. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Just, I'll just squirm a lot. And so, yeah. but that's, I knew that coming in. So that's true. So I want to start again. Okay. How did we get here? How did you, Becky Patton, just answering for yourself, how did you get here to this table? Hmm. You know, I'm just going to tell a story. There's a woman that walked into my office and she was referred by her therapist to come and have a conversation with me. She's been married 17 years, married her best friend, grew up in the purity culture, grew up in the church, very conservative. But one of the things that happened is at some point, the sex that she was having with her husband revealed some deep wounds inside of her that she didn't know she had. And some of that was some sexual abuse that had happened that she had learned how to repress. So she went to a therapist and started doing some sex therapy counseling, started to find some healing, some freedom. But what she didn't know is how do I attach this to my faith? Because I don't want to throw my whole faith out, but I kind of don't know how to do this. And so that's when I, she showed up in my office and we sat down in the first 15 minutes and I started to just ask her, who is God? How have you experienced God? How have you experienced your body once you've started to recognize that you are both a spiritual and a sexual being? Mm. And she looked at me and she goes, I've never put those two words in the same sentence. And she began to weep, just like cry tears rolling down her face. And she goes, if there's a God, 
that can put those two words in a sentence and say to me, your name, your sexuality, and your spirituality are good because I created them for you to experience me. She goes, I will hopefully fall in love with that God. But right now the God I have is, I hate even saying this, but the God I have is a God that hates my body and someday in heaven is going to redeem me. Mm. All of this. Mm. And after spending 50 minutes with her and talking about just her body, the goodness of her hands, the goodness of her eyes, the goodness of just who she was, that she can run a marathon. She literally stood up at one point and raised her shoulders and she went, this body isn't my burden or my Mm. curse, Mm. is it? And I said, no, it's not. Let's befriend your body. The reason I'm at this table is I think the body is something that religion for a really long time has wanted to help us manage, but they've wanted us to divorce ourselves from any of the sensations, the sensuality, Mm. and I will say desire at the core because it feels scary and it feels dangerous. And yet when I read scripture all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, all I see is these incredible encounters with danger and tension. I mean, it's an incredibly dangerous book if we look at it, and yet there is a consistent thread that runs through it that there are things that we do not understand. And so for me, I want to help people see that they don't have to understand everything about their body, but let's rejoin our body with our spirituality in a way and not run from what was created. But what if we could actually, I want to say run towards our creator, but maybe we could just actually even turn towards our creator and see our creator as masterful in the area of creating desire and sensuality and that to actually engage with another human being in a sensual way could actually be a way of worshiping our creator. So that's why I'm here. Mm. What about you? I met Becky through a mutual friend and I had already done a podcast with one of my things called Monospira with you, Luke about divorce. I went through divorce over a couple years ago. And I grew up in the church and I grew up with a relationship to my body that sexuality, sensuality is sinful and anything that would indicate those things or those acts are shameful. And so I think I started to learn how to live outside of my body at a very young age. And so by the time I got married and my understanding of sex was tethered to, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing once you get married, as long as you wait. So I coined the term gene jamming. Oh, it's on. Keep the jeans on. Jean jams. Keep them on. Keep the jeans on for jean jams. Did a lot of jean jamming. <laughs> so beautiful. I know. With the one or two boyfriends I had before I got married. <laughs> I saw sex as it's supposed to be amazing, but it's also my duty 
as a wife. And that is such a bummer. So then I was married for eight, nine years. And I'm now learning a couple years out. And this is kind of, I met Becky at a really crucial time for myself. I was already very curious about the topic of sex and sexuality and faith and how, how do I not, as you say, like divorce my faith and my body from what I am experiencing. I told you, Luke, that I wanted to do a podcast around this theme and it really freaked you out. (laughs) I told you have fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, I really think you're supposed to be a part of it. And I met Becky about six months after talking to you about that. And I have done a lot of work to heal my relationship to my body in the last couple of years. And I've been discovering that my relationship with it in regards to the experience of sex and sensuality has been really disjointed and fragmented. And I've had a lot of unfortunate, sad, harmful messages that have caused a lot of pain and woundedness for me. And so I'm here because I... I'm happy to just be listening to this conversation, but I also really care deeply about people like me that grew up in the church, maybe have been married, maybe have been divorced, maybe have been single their whole lives, but their ideas about their body and sex have been really disjointed because we have seen them as things that lead to shameful acts as opposed to things that lead to beautiful, holy, rich acts. And I just need help, honestly, navigating this. I'm 38 and trying to understand something that has been like really damaging Mm -hmm. in my life. And I've had some healing experiences since, but like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I've just been like thrown out into a new universe and I really have a desire to be mindful and to be additive to the world as opposed to subtractive. And I think that I just need help. And I think being here and being part of this conversation is going to ignite more healing in my life. And I just want to be a part of it, honestly. And I have to imagine, I know there are so many people like me that really love God, have a really tenuous relationship with the Bible, and don't really know how to move forward, but love people, love themselves, want to love their body. I think there's a lot of people like that. And we just need help connecting some dots. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, what about you? How'd you get here? So this comes out as a confession. I'm a pastor. And I say that because that is such a loaded term, especially in the realm of sexuality and spirituality. But I think I'm here because for, I've been a pastor for 25 years and I've just found myself across the coffee table from so many people who have been wounded in the area of sexuality. I remember I was a youth pastor a million years ago during the period of culture. And I took my students to this arena where there was this conference being put on by this one organization. And one of the sessions was around purity and sexuality. Well, one of the kids that came is a 17 year old guy who had a two year old son. And I remember after that session sitting in our hotel room with about a dozen kids and they were so hurt and angry by the message that was given, which was essentially, if you've screwed up in any way, you're damaged forever. So don't screw up. Whatever you do, don't screw up. And you know, all the stupid, you know, you're a wilted rose. If you're a woman, you're a broken, you're you're a heart that's ripped and can never be put back together. Who wants a cellophane taped heart? I mean, just ridiculous messages that have nothing to do with the goodness of God. 
other folks who would come into my office, this one woman, 25-year-old woman who, from a farm in Iowa that said, after finally stumbling it out, she said, I'm just, I'm here because I'm gay and I want to know if I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I'm here because I've put a lot of thought into the importance of pastors giving people permission to ask those scary questions like, am I damaged forever? Am I going to hell? Am I? And then to sit in that space, not even to answer really quickly, you know, but to sit in that space and say, Mm -hmm. okay, let's pull the threads of why you even would think that. And so I think I want to bring a kindness, a permission, an atmosphere where there's space and time to look at who God is and who you are, especially as it relates to sexuality because of the things that are so, so damaging to our identity Mm -hmm. and take us out, you know? And so then I think partly I'm here in the world, but also in this podcast to help people reconstruct a belief system that has room, that has more room to be Mm -hmm. fully yourself, no matter what that is. Yeah. You're good at that, Steve. You're really good at that. I would like to know why you're here. Yeah. And I also want to know why Ashley's here. Of course. Okay. So Latifa and I have been friends for a few years and connected, especially through the course of your very painful end of your marriage. As I was walking through a similarly painful season in my marriage. So we just sort of bonded over that and that led us to do the podcast chronicling your divorce. And I remember when you were working on the record, it was the day. So the podcast is a track by track companion to your album, which chronicles your divorce. I remember when you, the day that you were going to start tracking the record, I said, Hey, why don't you just like record these voice memos? Cause I think there's a story here for us to tell. And I remember your response to that was the fear and anxiety that you had around the idea of creating a podcast was for you like confirmation that you needed to do it. And that's what I feel around this. Mm. So when you approached me, I honestly thought you were joking <laughs> initially <laughs> when you wanted to make a podcast about sex and that you wanted me to be a part of it. That, was surely a joke to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I learned that you weren't joking, I was pretty immediately out, but I entertained the conversation. And then this past summer, summer of 2019, I had an encounter with a girl who was senior in college who had just been broken up with by a boyfriend who she thought she was going to marry. He broke up with her pretty immediately after having sex with her by telling her she wasn't close enough to God for him and he wasn't close enough to God. And so he wanted to work on his relationship with God and maybe God would perfect them over the course of the summer and then they could be together. But he did that right after having sex with her and seeing sort of the, the state that she was in and the thing that led him to that decision and her to that place of pain was for me a realization that purity culture still is alive and well and still doing all of the same damage that it did. Because I tend to think when people say purity culture, I think of like the Mm nineties. I don't think of 2019, 2020. And so that was for me the realization of like, Oh, 
I do have to make this show and I do have to, in that confront my own repression and my own, I can't even say sexual repression, like my inability to have this conversation in any sort of healthy way, which absolutely affects my life today. Mm. And so that's how I ended up here. I am here hundred percent against my will because I know I have to be here. I know that I, because I am now 40 and I don't know how to talk about sex, mm. you know? So that's why I'm here. I've known Becky for eight to 10 years. And I remember meeting you at an art event with my then husband. And I could feel my heart just crying out for the answers for the words and the language that you embody. Because I was staying there with my husband who had come out to me. I was 25, he was 26, and I thought we had done all the things right. And in so many ways we had. And then we were handed this reality of what is true of life. You come in with so many hurt places and wounded places and and expecting the person that you marry to fill all those things is not the way things really work. And for me, walking with him in the journey of unraveling his sexuality was a huge part of my 20s, but it also made me realize how many things were dormant within myself. Mm. And then post our eventual divorce and all of that, it was like I became a teenager again. Yes. <laughs> Ashley, yes. I see you. Oh my gosh. You were such like, a teenager. Oh, oh my gosh. Remember yes. those conversations? Yes. Oh, oh it was- I was like, I am so naive. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was like, I wish I would have done this when I was 15. Yeah, me too. And 16 and 17. And yes. College. Yes, right? There's reasons for these times of your life. Yes. Because if I would have known what I knew after my first encounter with a straight man, Mm. After my divorce, mm. I would have known to ask more questions of my husband. Wow. But Ashley, can I ask a question in that? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is there's something that's very safe mm. about the element of this man not pursuing you. Yes. I want to say in a Christian culture, because that feels holy, mm-hmm. because he's more pure. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say so mm-hmm. often happens is in our sexuality when we don't have the freedom to actually express mm-hmm. and engage with our sensuality, we put it in the definition box. And that's mm-hmm. what had happened is mm-hmm. that was a way for him to stay pure mm-hmm. and to quote unquote keep you pure. Mm-hmm. So he didn't pursue you. And that felt normal. Yes. That's right. And I can remember so much shame when we were dating because I was the pursuer. I was the aggressive one. Mm -hmm. And he was the one that was keeping us pure. pure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that just carried into our marriage and all that. But I remember we ended up speaking at a conference in Texas about couples who struggle with SSA, same-sex attraction, because that was a language that was appropriate within the church. And I remember looking out into this room of men and women and what I saw in the women was just these dying souls. Yeah. And I saw myself. Mm. And it was in that time of our marriage when I was like, I can't keep doing this. We're trying to keep this together because that's what we're supposed to do. 
and I'm dying here. And that's not honoring to anybody. (laughs) And so it sparked something in me to start pursuing that at the same time he was unraveling so many things as well. And I think, yes, I walked through this journey with his sexuality, but I also have been on a journey of rediscovering my own in so many ways. Yeah. And there was a season of singleness where that exploration phase of yes. my my new teenage years and found myself in some pretty just, I mean, downright unsafe situations because I wasn't taught well. And through the grace of God, took a step back and really started to do my own inner work and really work through a lot of those things and since then have gotten remarried and I would say learn to trust love again. The reason I'm here is I don't believe that remarriage is the answer to post-divorce and all Mm -hmm. of that, but I think there is a journey of healing, of learning to trust yourself again Mm -hmm. and to trust another human to learn what real vulnerability is and to learn to care for and respect yourself in a way that the church never entered into that conversation. And I just feel like there are so many people, there are so many men, there are so many women that carry so much shame. And I feel like there's this piece of our humanity that we can't quite hold always with our spirituality that I believe is so interconnected. The humanity of who Jesus is, the humanity and how that translates to the humanity of who we are. And so I feel like I'm here for people who feel like they don't have a place anymore and I believe there is a place and you can still have an intimate relationship with the divine and an intimate relationship with yourself with your body and I think find a freedom that is actually what we were taught Mm -hmm. but it's an embodied sense and so I to be honest don't necessarily even know where my voice and my role fits in all this but I just I find myself continually having this conversation and I want this to be shared with the world in so many ways and so I'm just excited to see what unfolds you know I want to say something to you part of why I'm at this table is because of your persistence Mm -hmm. that's part of why I'm at you've been bugging me for five or I mean every I keep we keep having the same conversation Becky when are you going to share this when are you going to share this Becky how are you going to share this Becky have you ever considered setting up I don't do Instagram Mm. I mean I don't (laughs) listen to podcasts I mean those are things conversations we've had and Ashley just you keep coming back and you keep coming back and it's like so I don't know how to do this I don't even know how to be at this table other than the fact that I know how to not have the conversations and I know the damage that's done and so can we be in a place of exploration together and I think there's going to be some starts and stops, but I refuse to continue to live in a place where we can't risk saying the goodness of who God is, our bodies are, and how we were actually originally created. Because yeah. everything we need is already inside of us. Yeah. So I have two questions then, and we'll wrap up. The first one I want to ask is, so who is this for? This is for anybody who has a complicated relationship or hangups with sex, sexual identity, sexual preference. So that's gay, straight, non-binary, married, divorced, single, asexual. I mean, run the gamut. You are welcome here. 
And we are not going to bait and switch you and tell you that your preference or your desire is wrong. Yeah. There's no agenda here other than to open you up to conversations with each other and with yourself. I mean, to sort of expand your relationship. We want to welcome people into like wholeness of self and wholeness of community with one another. I want to help people feel more connected to their body and God and wholeness, and then in turn connected to community. I think it's for anybody that's ever been curious. Is there more? Ooh, I love that. I'm so curious because the reality is there's this beautiful place that this table is about. We're going to explore and we're going to challenge each other and we're going to interrupt each other and we're going to keep learning and growing. And we're going to cry together and talk about trauma, but I think we're going to have so much fun. It is. It's fun it's, parts. It is fun parts. And it, there is a lot of joy yeah. alongside the suffering. There's a deep well of joy to discuss. And so anybody who wants to reclaim, mm. rename, mm. and restore, this is for us. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think that's so good. So Becky, the other question I have is for you, and that is, where are we starting this conversation? What is sort of at the foundation of this conversation for you? The foundation for me are three principles that I operate from. One, God is good, sex is good, and spirituality and sexuality are interwoven intentionally. Those are my foundations. That's what, So everything we discuss, from my standpoint, that's what I'm holding as my foundation. This episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. Gene Jam and other songs were composed and produced by Latifah Alatas. Another music from this episode is from the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now, here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. You know, in all of my wandering and curiosity down like spiritual bunny trails, the one thing that I have never been confused about is the hospitality and love of God. Mm. Ever. Man, that's just never confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I have permission to be confused about anything else mm-hmm. I want. Mm-hmm. And and I sure I can even be confused about hospitality, but it's just that is something I've always been able to come back to mm-hmm. and that I'm so grateful for. Mm-hmm.